My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at ProBible.com. Today, as always, I am joined by my co-host, Kate Onder. Toby McGuire. Toby McGuire, <laughs> you can find writing about video games over at comicbook.com. No Brandon this week. I think he's in vacation in Florida. This week, we have a rare off week. There's no big movies coming out. I mean, there's Spielberg's The Fablemans coming out on Friday. That's why we are doing a Steven Spielberg draft today. Uh, the Avatar trailer dropped last week, so we'll talk about that for a bit. God of War Ragnarok drops Wednesday, Friday? I believe. Wednesday. So Kate is going to tell us a bit about that. But first, we're going to talk about the trending topic of the world right now, and that is, and that is Elon Musk and Twitter. So on Thursday, I saw this tweet from quote-unquote Keanu Reeves. It was like a quote-tweet photo of sort of describing Musk's plan for the blue check going forward, and somebody satirized it in the perfect way possible by changing their name and their at to Keanu Reeves and then just tweeting, whoa. And that blew up hundreds of thousands of likes. And when I saw that, I had the idea to try to pull the same prank within the film Twitter world because, and I think the key thing here is some people will be like, oh, well, you could have pulled this prank before. And the difference is now that people just before Musk came out and said, today, you'll be suspended for good, which <laughs> might be our fault. <laughs> um, you know, it, we just weren't scared, right? Like back, yeah. like, you know, back in the old, quote unquote, old days, had you done that, you would have gotten iced and gone. So I pretended to be Ben Affleck and announced a solo Ben Batman film. Cade, as Gen Z tends to do with millennials, is took my idea and made it better. So Cade pretended to be Tobey Maguire and announced Spider-Man 4. I think it racked up like 160 some odd likes. God knows how many retweets. Um, right, 164,000 likes. <laughs> um, Kate, I think, gained close to 3,000 followers. I gained close to 1,000. We're not really here to bitch and moan about Elon Musk per se. Sure. I just think it's relevant because like, we created fake film news out of thin air yeah. within an hour. And I just think that that is, if you are uncertain of how to go into this new Twitter world, I would just say that like before you retweet something or before you quote tweet something, and this is something I always do when I'm in like a fight with my girlfriend through text, I read it out loud before I say yeah, it. That's a, that's a good relationship advice right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So take that too. So yeah. So I read it out loud before I send it. So, you know, I imagine we're going to see a wave of pranks over the next few weeks. So just make sure to triple check things. It was a fun night. I had reserved my night to just chill and play games. I wound up on Twitter for like three hours straight. Probably our last stand. I mean, Cade, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so when I posted my tweet, it immediately blew up. Like within like five minutes, it was already getting like hundreds of likes. I was like, uh-oh, this is bad. And uh, within an hour, it had 30,000. And then that's when I was like, I need to change back because this is getting out of hand. And still, that's what's at 30,000. It's at 165,000 or whatever now. People just took it as fact because I have a verified checkmark as Kate Onder. And they're like, that's true. So- 
there is a status to that that's like well that's fact and like the engagement that it had just lended more credibility like oh well he's verified he has a lot of likes must be true so uh as eric said going into the future check all your information don't just retweet or like something because it looks somewhat credible you know go to the hollywood reporter or someone before this happens because this was trending on twitter within an hour so it, none of it makes any sense and uh the last thing i will say is a lot of people were like well you could have done this before and like you said people were afraid of losing a valuable tool to their career before yep. and it only shows right now that the volume at which this is going to happen is going to increase before it was more of a rarity if it happened it was iced immediately musk has fired a lot of the moderation team it, you know, there's a lot of factors that lend to a higher volume of misinformation spreading on a wider level. And that's my take. Yes, it was possible before. Now it is much more likely to be a little more dangerous. So that was our contribution to the Twitter discourse. Toby, Ben, Sony, <laughs> Warner, if if this somehow came across. We oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move on to the Avatar The Way of the Water trailer. Cade, you are a, a recent convert, no? Yeah, like... Uh, uh, you're not feeling too good about it now. <laughs> well, no, I uh, when I was younger, I didn't see the movie in theaters, and I got it on DVD, and it was a really long movie for, like, a 10-year-old to be watching and being like, this is boring as fuck. And then I went and saw it in theaters recently uh, and was, like, blown away by it. And even prior to that, just seeing the trailer for this movie in IMAX many, many times, I was like, this looks great. This new trailer uh, doesn't look terrible and it doesn't look bad. I'm still excited, but like, I don't know if he, because the movie has a optional high frame rate that it makes the character's movements look really weird when it's compressed down to 24 or whatever. I don't know if you, you feel that way too, but I feel like, they're moving in a strange way. I have a point about the characters that's not so much a technical thing, but more of a human brain pattern. And that's known as the uncanny valley. And what yeah. that is, is that when a robot looks too real, there's something in our subconscious that it just freaks us out. It just mm -hmm. doesn't look right. If it's imitating life too closely, that something throws us off. And that's not to say that the Avatar characters are imitating human beings, yeah. but I just think there is something off-putting about watching a movie with aliens as the main characters. Mm -hmm. it, it, like, unless it is an animated cartoon, I can't think of something where otherworldly creatures are stand-in for people, right? Now, the environment and the CGI in that sense looks incredible. Yeah, but I am just never going to be impressed by the mocap mm -hmm. aspect of it. And I think when you combine those two very aggressive CGI tools, you know, then perhaps it becomes like a frame rate thing. But I just think that this is the problem with Avatar then and now. It's that there is something, you know, long before we made fun of Guillermo del Toro for his fish sex movie, <laughs> the alien sex movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's just always been something that rubbed me the wrong way about that. And I think even Cameron is coming around to the idea that Avatar might not be now what it was then. This past summer, I wrote a post where he talked about, you know, let's see if 
people give a shit. I'm not quite sure. He's now come out and said if Avatar 2 doesn't perform, they'll end it after three, mm -hmm. despite the fact that they've been promising five films for over 10 years. And honestly, like as somebody who has turned dunking on James Cameron into a bit, just because I'm annoyed he's, he's spent his last 15 years doing this. He's very promising. I'd love yeah. to see him doing something fucking else. And yeah. I admire his contrition and I admire his acceptance of like, you know, maybe the original caught light in a bottle. So the way that this performs is going to be fascinating, right? Because I think it's going to make a lot of money. I think that that's built into the mm -hmm. James Cameron brand, but what dollar sign is going to justify putting these films out? Because Avatar plotting wise, thematic wise, even if you love the film, you kind of probably think that that shit is still stupid. So if that continues <laughs> in this new one, especially with the volume of blockbuster CGI content that we have these days, I just don't know if Avatar can sustain on Cameron's name and CGI alone isn't good. If it if it's not actually a good film. Now, the trailer plays all the classic notes, the swelling score, yeah. the scope establishing shots, all of the stuff that tells you, that tells your brain and your heart and your soul, this is going to be epic. Mm -hmm. But I just, I don't think that in the 13 years since the first one came out that watching the alien sex movie is going to be <laughs> any less weird. Yeah, I mean... Even ignoring streaming and uh, COVID and all those things, still, we are in a very different time between 2009 and now with 3D was exciting back then, right? And in that time, people have been like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and, and granted, the recent re-release was like, oh, this is what it can be. It still hasn't really tapped that outside of this movie. Um I, I wonder how many standard showings they will have for this new movie, or if they're really just going to go like it's 95% 3d showings, you know, wherever you are, because uh, I know around me, you could not see the re-release in standard. You had to go see it in 3d either IMAX or just regular 3d. So uh, ha you have to sell people, Hey, come back to the theater. Hey, wear glasses for three hours and 10 minutes and trust that that's going to be something you're interested in and pay uh, more for that experience exactly so it's it's a tough sell and so the movie has to be really good not just good but like next level shit again which is a tough uh bar to reach i think but i'm 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 excited and i think if anyone can do it it's him but i i it's still even you know it's so hard. <laughs> no, and I know that we're in a post-pandemic world, so the standards have changed. But if you look at a film like uh, Batman v Superman, right, that made seven hundred and fifty million, and that was right. considered a failure. Yeah, like it was successful, quote unquote. But it, but it panicked Warner Bros. at the time. So I'm wondering what that figure is for this film. Is it one billion? Like, considering it's following up the highest-grossing movie ever made, I would imagine its standards are a bit higher. Like. If it barely clears half a billion, which I know is a ton of money, but I don't think that that's enough. No, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Which is and, and and Disney is uh, realized that they have cash cows left and right, right? They have Marvel, they have uh, Star Wars, they can milk those all day and they will, if, if it can't rival those numbers, they're going to go, well, why would we invest in more Avatar when we could just pour that money into, you know, the next Spider-Man movie right. or whatever, right? So... It's a tough uh, situation to be in. All right, Cade, it's your time to shine. Cade's Gaming Corner. 
God of right. War Ragnarok, a sequel to 2018's God of War, which is a remake of the original. It's a like legacy sequel Re-imagining? kind of thing. Okay. It's it's like it's a continuation of the story, but it's you know it is a reimagining in, in some way. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, Ragnarok. I can say everything I want about it now. Uh, no spoilers, but uh, this game has very clunky pacing. That was my most like number one point going away from that game because 2018 game it's driven by this quest to you have to go spread your wife's ashes on the highest peak of all the realms and in doing so there's a lot of dangers and people coming after kratos and his son and kratos has to teach his son all these things and it's more character driven than it is plot driven so you are propelled by this emotional journey with these two characters and Ragnarok still has an element of that, but it feels like it comes in halfway through the game. And it's a, I finished it in 26 hours. Can I pause you though? Yeah. So to me, story has always been something I subconsciously enjoy in games, but like, mm-hmm. is that something that gamers seek out? Like, is that why you're playing this? Especially for this one. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think that is the standout. People are like, the gameplay is fun, but I'm here for, like I said, uh leading up to this was like the gameplay is the same from the last one so if that bothers you i don't know but uh everyone's like i don't care i'm just here for the story so yeah see it's kind of one of those old school one track games right yeah so it's like one shot and it's you you are uh on this big quest no i'm saying like it's an open world but you're kind of on a oh track right yeah so you have like these mini open worlds like multiple mini levels that you can kind of explore a little bit but it's it's very contained um but there's a lot to see and do there's a lot to see and do yeah like Um, i know i'm just kind of like a tangent like that's my biggest problem with sure in order and why i'm always just like give me the open world because it's like you could literally see the potential of i get it yeah world to explore on the horizon but you can't so it's not as immersive as i would like it to be i agree yeah i think this game balances it well though it does like when you are walking through this one long path in a jungle and you're like there's we are in norse mythology and there are these big rich realms and you're like stay on this path and like maybe you can go on that path but it's like it's very much like door the explorer where they're like which direction should we go next and it's like well i know there's like a chest over there or whatever but it's not it's not you know whatever but um I would say, yeah, this game's a, a tough, uh, like it's good, but it's just tough to get through that first half because you're bouncing between all these realms and there isn't really a lot of direction and Ragnarok is the apocalypse, right? And so you would expect there to be some urgency behind we need to stop this or solve it and there's not. And it takes too long to get back to the stuff that you enjoy in the, the first game and that's really frustrating, but... I will say, once it gets there, the game like soars with flying colors and is some of the best writing I've seen in a video game uh, and the best characterization, specifically in Kratos, and really tackles some big themes and has some very exciting boss battles with characters like Thor. And, you know, that's the stuff you want to see, right? So, and thankfully, despite the pacing being fucked, the very early on they come out of the gate swinging with like the first hour or two is just like shit you want to see it's like you want to see thor we'll show them to you and we're going to make you excited by that that's such a fascinating way to think about games like the same way that we analyze film and how <laughs> the pacing and that works um off tangent i didn't write this down but talk to me about cod 800 million dollar launch 
Oh my God. It's crazy. I think we all knew everyone in the gaming space was like modern warfare two will be big because it's invoking a name that is so powerful, especially, you know, 10 years ago, that was they already made a modern warfare two, right? I'm not yes. Crazy. In 2009. Yeah. And, and that was a very powerful moment for online gaming, the franchise. It was the game, the golden age is what people refer it to. And so people are like, this is going to be big. And $800 million big. I don't think anyone expected. It's the, the fastest selling. Yeah, three days. Fastest selling game in the franchise. And I can only imagine has thrown up even bigger numbers since they got to be close to a billion at this point. It's marketing campaign. I mean, it is involving some of the biggest soccer stars in the world yes. like, ahead of the World Cup. Like, yes. Just give you this. Lionel Messi is going to be playable in the game. Yeah. I don't know if you heard this. That's yeah, fucking crazy. insane. And yeah, so it's Call of Duty is not going anywhere. If anyone it thought good? it's dead um it's it's fine it's what it needs to be i wish it was a little bit better i don't think it reaches the highs of the original game but i'm i'm content with it and i'll keep playing it and that's that's all i need fair enough all right let's move on to some quick hitters before we get on to our steven spielberg draft westworld has been canceled i haven't tuned in since season two this explains it went completely off the rails uh warner bros wants to make more harry potter films it's unclear if zaslav meant spinoffs, remakes, prequels, sequels. Uh, if J.K. Rowling is down, Henry Cavill is leaving The Witcher after season three. Reports indicate that he was uh, thought about it after season two due to creative disputes with the show runners. Uh, Aubrey Plaza has been cast as the villain in Agatha Coven of Chaos. Lionsgate is looking to develop a major John Wick game. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that just like hitman with a john wick <laughs> i would hope it'd be more like max Payne, where you're just okay. blasting people but yeah. you know we'll see uh and then production on the star wars show the acolyte has begun all right let's take a quick break when we come back to steven spielberg movie draft another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Family art. It'll tear you in two. You stop making movies, it'll break your mother's heart. I don't know what to do anymore. You do what your heart says you have to. All right, and we are back. Steven Spielberg, movie draft, arguably the most iconic American director of all time. I'd say him, Martin Scorsese, Stanley Kubrick. So I'd say that those are probably the three, right? Yeah, uh, in terms of most influential, maybe George Lucas, but he's really only done like one big thing that just happened to be as big as it is. So November 11th, The Fablemans comes out. It is his most autobiographical film. It is basically about him growing up. I rewatched the doc about him on HBO last week and they showed what his mom really looks like. And Michelle Williams looks exactly like her. I mean, they are (laughs) ripping his childhood to a T. So what better time to sort of look back on his career than when he has a film coming out about the life that led to it. Then now, Cade, as always, when we do our drafts, I will give you the flip of the coin. I'll go heads. Flipping. Google's flipping. Heads. Son of a 
I, I, think I I've always won, win. I think I've only won once. <laughs> I think so. And I think I changed what I was going to do. And it, it, that's why you won. I don't know. This is insane. All right. All right. So the problem with Spielberg is, though, I think he's directed 33 feature films. The key distinction here is that feature films only. So mm-hmm. no Band of Brothers, which I think he was vaguely yeah. involved in. No. Um... He did the Columbo pilot. What? Do you know what Columbo is? No. Oh, my God. It's like one of the best. It's like from the 70s. One of the best, like, uh, serialized detective shows ever. It's just like this idiot cop. And but he he comes off as an idiot, but he's actually super smart. So he's just like bumbling around. And everyone's like, I got this guy by the balls. And then he's like, uh, one last thing here. Uh, there's something wrong with your story. And it's, uh-huh. it's, you got to check it out. It's great. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard of that. And you've heard of that. You haven't seen The Matrix 2. <laughs> um, all right, Cade. So, oh, but my point being is that so he has a lot of shit to choose from, yes. a lot of iconic shit to choose from. I think that you could argue there are five or six films which could make a case for the top choice. Which yeah. Doesn't, I think if there was one draft where it's like okay to not have the top pick, I think it's yeah. this one. I hope you didn't look at my list. I didn't. Okay. So, Cade, first pick. I'm going to go Saving Private Ryan, Ryan as number one. Um, and I think that movie is just like the definitive World War II movie. You just can't do it better than that, right? I mean, the imagery of it all uh, with, you know, the beach of Normandy and all that shit, like that's crazy. And for the gaming folks out there, created Medal of Honor because Steven Spielberg was like, I want a game that is like this. So he went to EA and was like, let's make this game called Medal of Honor. And he was a key component of making those early Medal of Honor games. What happened to those then? Uh, well, Call of Duty happened because right. some of the people who worked on Medal of Honor went to make Call of Duty. Gotcha. So without Steven Spielberg, we wouldn't have Call of Duty and we wouldn't have a lot of big things in game. I mean, he really changed a lot with just that one movie, which is crazy to me. I'm not going to let that be why you took it first. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, no, no. But like, it's, it's such a uh, important movie again to just cinema with it's a definitive war film. And I think it's visceral. It's very gory and bloody and doesn't shy away from the authenticity of what happened there. It wants to be horrific and it's, it doubles as a horror movie. I think in, in some, some ways, some of its scenes, uh, I say the same thing about Dunkirk. I think those two are very similar in depicting just these awful, awful events and uh, the perseverance of the human spirit. First of all, I think it's one of the best casts he's probably ever had. Oh, absolutely. If I'm not mistaken, that's the first time he worked with Tom Hanks, which you went on to make Catch Me If You Can and Bridge of Spies and The Post. So four films is a pretty, uh, I'd say a definitive chunk of one's career, especially when it's perhaps two of the goats, yeah. including Tom Hanks, you have, and I think what made this so good was that the supporting cast was incredible. Of course, you had young Matt Damon who booked this role before Saving Private Ro- I mean, before Goodwill blew up. So That's like it, it all just happened to go down. Like, so like <laughs> he had won the award 
for goodwill and it's like mm-hmm. oh by the way i'm in saving Pri- yeah. private ryan this summer um ed burns tom sizemore Vin diesel giovanni rabisi brian cranston paul giamatti just tons of dudes who would go on to do work for the next 10 15 years during the hbo doc on him they said that that taught people things about world war ii that a documentary or a book simply could not right like the the aggressive visceral nature of it totally real yeah i mean not real in the sense of course it paints a good picture yeah right exactly so that was in my tier one but it was not my number one overall now look this skews young right like we are younger guys i think that what makes this show relatable is that we aren't technically film nerds there are Many iconic Steven Spielberg films that I've not seen, which mm-hmm. I'll name at the end, because um, I don't want to give anything away. So, like, if I was 40 or 45, I'd probably say E.T. Yeah. or Jaws, but I'm not. I'm not even 30 yet. So, <laughs> I, with that in mind, my number one overall pick came out the year I was born, Jurassic Park. Nice. I think Jurassic Park is probably, like, the dawn of new hollywood in the sense that it was the first like whoa like cgi like what the fuck like it's yep. here like people had never seen dinosaurs to that extent the same way with your point about world war ii just the, the viscerality of it people had never seen before so mm-hmm. he's bringing new things to film i think it combines what steven spielberg does best which is sort of he's able to scare you without pushing things too far like kids yeah. are able to watch his films but still get scared right yeah. so it is both an adventure in the sense of like Indiana Jones, but it also has like genuine moments of this is, you know, for a kid, especially this is pretty scary shit. So yeah. I think you combine all that with sort of the cultural impact it's had since the Jurassic World films aren't even good and they all gross a billion dollars plus. Like that is yeah. a direct result of the legacy of Jurassic Park one, yeah. which changed the game in a litany of ways. And probably defined Hollywood in my lifetime up until the Marvel dawn. Yeah, uh, I perfectly said completely. Um, you know what walking with dinosaurs is? No. It's like some attraction that goes around the world and it's like, hey, come to your you know convention center and we'll show you this big show of mechanical dinosaurs moving around. It's supposed to be like, oh, this is what they were like. This is that in the 90s and like infinitely better. And it's just like paints this perfect picture and it's just so iconic. I mean, you know, memes and, and music and everything about it is iconic. And that's just Spielberg, you know, like everything he does is just like cemented in, in film history. And it's it's really impressive. Just like 80% of his movie is just like worthy of being in this draft. Yeah. And, and that might even be underestimating yeah. that, that percentage. Um, okay. My number two pick... I'm going to say Catch Me If You Can. Wow. Okay. I really like that movie. I just watched it today. For the first time? No. no. Okay. Um, it's just fun. Like, it, it's the start of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's seemingly interest in, like, uh, I'm going to play some con asshole and just, like, <laughs> I'm going to schmooze everyone and, and get away with crappy things. Yeah, less, and- like, teen heartthrob roles. Yeah, exactly. And he, he, and he still looks, even though he is kind of in, yeah, in that I don't movie. know how old he was, but he looks pretty young uh, in that movie. Um, 
Well, it's but, nuts because he's playing a 17-year-old who's going around passing for 28. Yeah. Like, math doesn't really make sense. He's, and he's somewhere in the middle there, yeah, too, yeah, as, yeah, as a yeah, real-life yeah. person. Yeah, it's bizarre. But uh, he pulls it off well, and I, I think it's probably one of his more underrated roles. I know that movie is very well-regarded, but I don't think people talk about it enough, both for Tom Hanks, Spielberg, and DiCaprio. Um, I think it's just a fun movie to just turn on and just be like, let's just watch a guy be a fucking prick. <laughs> but that it sounds like you're making the case more for Leo than you are Spielberg. Sure, like that's given a, that's the valid. List of movies he's got here. That's valid. Uh, but I, I think like he does a good job of giving Leonardo DiCaprio the runway to do so, and I, I think uh, it's hard to tell a story like that because there's a lot of moving pieces, like. You know, I'm not from whatever year that movie is supposed to take place. And I'm like, I don't know what any of the shit you're talking about is. But they're like, doesn't matter. This guy's doing scams and it's fun. Let's go. And I'm like, in. And Christopher Walken's in it. And he's, he's just great like, in it. He's, he's great. great in it. Yeah. Uh, so, and again, this goes back to his ability to cast really good ensembles, I think. And so I think it lends well to a lot of his abilities. All right. My number two, I am torn here between Indiana Jones 1 and Indiana Jones 2. I recently watched them both over the weekend. I've read online that Indiana Jones 2 is sort of the reason that PG-13 exists. Uh-huh. Because, and I even remember as a kid, that scene where the guy pulls out the fucking heart. Yeah. It's just stuck with me since. Like, that's just some, even to this day, just one of the more disturbing things I've seen on film in what is ultimately like a romp adventure film. So the film nerd in me wants to take two, but the populist <laughs> desire to win a draft in me wants to take one because that is the start of it. That is still considered to be the best. That's still considered to be the most iconic. It is again, like a Hollywood game changer, even though he was sort of digging up old tropes from TV shows he watched as a kid, it sort of invented a new archetype. Whereas like the hero was like, not this like clean polish, do gooding. He was dirty. He was fucking, he was kind of a scoundrel. So I'm going in. And of course it made Harrison Ford, arguably one of the biggest stars of the next 20 years. So I'm going Indiana Jones one. I probably in my heart of hearts, enjoy two more just because it's a bit darker. It's a bit more serious. But for the sake of trying to win the draft, I'm going, <laughs> I'm, I'm going one. Uh, even Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark has a crazy violent scene in it with everyone's faces melting off at the right. end. Yeah. So, I mean, I think people are just like, this Spielberg guy is going to get us in a lot of trouble. We got to ensure there's some ratings here yeah. uh, at some point in this franchise. Um, no, solid, solid pick. Uh, I mean, obviously Harrison Ford existed before that. But this cemented that, oh, he can do anything. And he's going to be here to stay. Um, great movie. Uh, what is this? This is three this for is me? This is three, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to say E.T. Okay. Yeah. I think, I mean, just think about it. Like, the kids on the bike thing is everywhere now and has been for decades. Uh, and E.T. phone home. E.T. phone home, the finger and the moon shot with them on the bike, just iconic imagery after imagery. It's just it's it's perfect. One and of the biggest shows out today is just based on that. Exactly. Film. That's what I meant with the kids on the bike thing It's just like Stranger Things just pulls a lot from E.T. And uh, 
that's wonderful. And and you hear a lot about how uh, Spielberg worked with children on that set and was just like, I'm going to hire some guys who can run the ship while I go talk to Drew Barrymore over here in the corner. And we're just going to talk and we're going to understand what she needs to do, what I want from her and connect with these actors on a deep level that most directors can't with children because they're children (laughs) and that's that's really special and shows that he can pull a lot out of these kids and create one of the most iconic movies of all time with a character in et that is just so instantly recognizable that he shows up in fucking star wars the fans of menace as a member of like the senate or whatever have you you seen that yes so it's just like that's amazing that's amazing um so yeah i think et is just a certified classic I um I learned this in this doc, which if you've not seen it, it's great that he shot the screenplay in the order that it unfolds to help this yeah. give the kids a frame of mind of like living this life and where they are in time. So it yeah. just goes to show like how intuitive he is. Exactly. Uh, my number three, I think that this is sort of the sister film of E.T., sort of one of his defining early films. I'm going Jaws. Now- yep. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've watched Jaws in the last 10 years because I haven't. It's <laughs> just a fact. There's a lot of shit on. I've seen Jaws enough as a kid. So instead, I will share an anecdote about my mom. Jaws was re-released in theaters when she was 18. Uh, and she had not seen it because when it first came out, I think it was like seven or eight years before that. So she was, you know, a kid. Mm-hmm. And she was so scared that night that she had to sleep in her mom and dad's bed. <laughs> as Jaws- an 18-year-old? Yeah, because that's great. scared her that much. And, and Jaws caused like genuine shark phobia amongst the masses. It was his first big hit, I believe, that became came before Close Encounters. Close Encounters. Yeah, 78. Jaws was 75. Yep. So, you know, really in the middle of old Hollywood and new as well. And again, just pushing the medium forward. One of the most sort of um, iconic blessing in disguises of all time. The reason that Jaws is barely in the film is not because he knew that that would make it scary. It was because they had problems with the shark mm-hmm. for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So they just had to g- instead attach barrel barrels to him and have the sort of barrels imply where he is. And that, of course, didn't invent, but hammered home what you don't see is scarier than what you do see. Um, so yeah, again, this is a total sellout pick. Like if I was going like shit that I've seen, I'd, you know, go like war of the worlds or something, but I'm yeah. trying to win a fucking draft here. So I'm <laughs> um, yeah, the first time I watched that movie was a couple of years ago. And uh, you don't I, have beaches. I don't have beaches in Iowa. We are landlocked to the nines. Um, <laughs> we have like a shitty little lake that well, like. How does that relate to you if you don't have that intrinsic fear in your life? Uh, I guess I just have don't. you ever been to a beach? This is a serious question. We, like we just uh, had an these... ocean beach. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, and so I, I saw the movie for the first time a couple of years ago at a drive-in, which I think is probably the place to see it. That's sick. Yeah, and it was with my girlfriend and. Uh, we didn't watch the movie. Um, <laughs> so I, I had to go back and watch it again later. Um, 
but uh that was my first memory of jaws was just like i feel like that's the way to watch it though almost like that's probably what people did when it first came exactly. out i was getting the proper experience exactly there's so. method acting you did <laughs> method viewing yeah exactly exactly yeah so i'm but as you said that movie is just even the poster is just like how many times have you seen that rift on it's right, exactly. it's perfect and the song yeah i remember there's a spongebob that is like shorthand for like fear in and of itself he created a sound for fear it's like psycho with the right you know with the knife um yeah perfect oh what am i gonna do for my next one here I'm going Ready Player say, One, do it. I God, he like for as many good movies as he has, he's got some real. I real remember that I was super. I mean, look, I don't actually, I don't hate that movie. I I admire it a bit, but like I was so excited for that movie. I was too, uh, and I enjoyed watching it, but I will never think about amazing it ever again. trailer, all yeah. time trailer. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, all right, I will. I will go with. I'll go with Indiana Jones too. I think. Nice. I think. Good man. We've laid it out here as as something that changed how we uh, are able to even see movies. If you're not a certain age, you may not be able to watch that movie, right? And do you remember, you would have probably been alive when this happened, I assume, with not for the movie, but when McDonald's was re-releasing these movies on VHS tape, were you around for that or were you- I mean, I was around. Was I like aware of McDonald's VHS tape? I don't know what year that was. Continue your point. But that just shows like, hey, we're going to you know, sell you a Big Mac and this fucking sick-ass movie. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a good value, right? So I think that really speaks to a lot of things. And uh, as you've already clearly laid out, just a very violent movie that probably at the time was burnt into the skulls of so many children, just like the first one was with the faces melting and stuff. Um, Which I think is like just, to, I think one of the consistent things that we're starting to get out here is just like, and the, and the word iconic gets thrown around way too much. But to yeah. me, what iconic means is it becomes shorthand for something, right? Like it remains in culture throughout years. The melting thing is like a very commonly used GIF. Yeah, exactly. That is probably the, like the place I see that scene the most is in GIF form. Yep. And that is legacy unto itself where people are consuming your media without even knowing exactly where it comes from or what it is, but it's still integrated into their lives. Exactly. Uh, like, but I think before I had ever, I had watched Indiana Jones a lot when I was like really, really, really young, but I didn't know where that scene came from as I got older until I went back and watched it. I was like, Oh my God, there's so much here. That's just like, I've seen everywhere. Uh, and of course the music and stuff. So, yeah. And just to your point about Indiana Jones, when I watched the films, this past weekend what i noticed was that like whereas like john wick is lauded for its fight choreography where every punch and block leads into the next indiana jones and steven spielberg films in general are adventure choreography or drama Mm -hmm. i think his greatest skill is that in the same way when john wick is able to make a swift block and fluidly kick the next dude Mm -hmm. that's what steven spielberg does with story indiana jones is such a perfect layer of like tension, action, drama, tension, action, drama. Like it is formulaic in the sense that Marvel gets shit on, but like mm-hmm. this is, he, I don't want to say invented entertainment, but he almost, 
he's almost perfected it. He's no, gotten yeah, it down to a music, to a science where it doesn't matter what genre he's in, whether it's Lincoln or Schindler's List mm-hmm. or fucking E.T. and A.I. or Ready Player One and Indie One through Four, right? Yeah. He has an understanding of how to move your emotions, how to move your mind, how and how to do that in congruence with like viscerally entertaining your eyes and ears. And that is ultimately filmmaking at its core. It's merging narrative with sensory, not quite thrill, stimulation. stimulation. Yeah. And he is the master of that. And I think the Indiana Jones films are the perfect example of that, where it is just like, you feel like you're right there with them because you mm-hmm. can't catch a fucking breath. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and I just think that those movies are probably... While not my favorite Steven Spielberg movies, my favorite ideal of what he is. And it's just a good old time at the theaters. And it's trying to emulate like stuff that comes way before Spielberg, you know, like older pulpy things, even just novels uh, and stuff. And it does it in a way that feels like true to that, but also pushing the filmmaking medium forward in such a significant way. And Again, it it's creating film language, and I think that's very important. Um, so yeah, just amazing series of movies, except for the, so that uh, was your four. Yeah. All right, let's recap before we move forward. So I have yeah. um, Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones one, and Jaws, and I'm about to make my fourth pick. And you have, I have Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, E.T., and uh, Indiana Jones. Okay. All right. Hmm. So, all right. Now is probably a safe place to acknowledge this since I doubt that you're going to take these films. I have an embarrassing list of Spielberg films that I've not seen. And Hmm. as I was going through it, I noticed a trend and that they're all his historical films. Hmm. So the ones that I've not seen and the first one that I'm going to name is the biggest blind spot. And I was trying to watch it this weekend, but like, to G yourself up to watch a three-hour black and white film about the very most, long movies um, about, the, <laughs> um, about the most horrific things to ever occur yeah. in mankind like takes a lot so like yeah. I wasn't able to do it I've not seen Schindler's List I've not seen Empire of the Sun Lincoln Munich The Post and Amistad I saw in school okay as like a kid so sure. and those are all films that I want to see but I just think it kind of speaks to what about Spielberg I enjoy and that while I appreciate his swings at sort of quote-unquote serious films or Mm -hmm. movies that matter or he's trying to say something I prefer him as an entertainer yep that's not to disparage his ability to do these films Schindler's List won best picture you know what I mean there's no doubting that it's a fucking amazing film and I like desperately want to watch it yeah it's just it's just like, and it's something that has been worked out of film more and more these days. It's a commitment. You know what I mean? Like who has yeah. three and a half, you know what I mean? To- it's very relevant to some extent right now in given current climates. <laughs> so right. it's right. also exactly. just like, exactly. uh, so, do I want to immerse myself but of in that? all the films that I just named, that's the one where I'm like, I've got to see it. Yeah. So with that said, I'm not going to pick those. Sure. My number five, um, I'm going with, 
Man, I'm between a few here. I'm between Minority Report. I'm between War of the Worlds. I'm between Close Encounters. I'm between West Side Story. I'm ultimately going to go. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go West Side Story. Fuck it. I wow. was going to go War of War of the Worlds, but I realized I already have sort of three action films, so I'm going to go West Side Story, which. Some people consider to be an improvement on the iconic original, which I think so. All right, from now on, the world the word iconic is banned from (laughs) from the show. But some people think it is an improvement on the legendary original. Now, I think that that's a lot of sort of generational divide. Like, of course, that is sort of why I don't think I connect to a new hope the same way that dudes born in the year 1980 did, because I just have that technological disconnects that makes mm-hmm. it harder for me to love but west side story i think was sort of like a high risk low reward film move for him to make it, yeah. it was a how do you make this better b a musical which is something he's never done c he largely cast no names and as somebody who can't stand musicals at all because the idea of like breaking out into song to like solve a dispute <laughs> fucking like it just doesn't register in my head but i was so enthralled by every frame of this movie again it is his ability to weave narrative and sort of sensory stimuli and that is this to a t right yeah. every color and sound is so delicately detailed and while this may not be his own story the ability to sort of not modernize the story but modernize the filmmaking techniques used to tell it to therefore translate it to younger people of the tiktoks and ig (laughs) and twitter who have who are used to bright colors and loud sounds Mm -hmm. being thrown in their face he figured out a way to do that but in a fucking tasteful artful steven spielberg way he discovered rachel zegler who has since booked hunger games prequel DC superhero film and Snow White. So she's a fucking star. Yeah. Nail, like, <laughs> nail that one, Steven. Way to go. Um, shout out Jersey as well. She's from Jersey. Nice. So actually, my mom taught her cousin. So, yeah, I mean, look, that is, I am not doubting that there are more Steven Spielbergian films. Sure. But I think, like, if I'm going to, in terms of building a well-balanced draft, because I kind of like to build drafts the way that you would, would like a good sports team, right? Like mm-hmm. you want good balance. I already have enough films where shit blows up. So here <laughs> I'm going for a change of pace and I'm going with West Side Story. Yeah, I uh, I had not seen the original or was not even familiar with the story really. Like I knew general broad stroke stuff when I saw it, um, but um, did not expect how dark that story gets at the end. I remember being in the theater like, oh, oh. <laughs> just like this is hardcore yeah. um so yeah that and new he, york city baby these streets exactly they he does a good job of making the high highs of the emotions like really get sold there was a woman behind me when i saw it weeping like really hardcore hurting during that movie and like you said i think a musical is the best way to show off his kind of style and skills too, given it is very big, theatrical, ambitious. And there's a, a scene I remember very vividly of like, there's a big dance at the school and he, he has this big, long one shot that goes from like a pretty tight hallway into this big like gymnasium. 
and just never breaks and it you can see everything that you need to see and it's perfect um so yeah perfect 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 pick um and he also i think it's the last big like relevant genre that he hadn't done that he's now crossed off his list i think think the next one that he says he wants to do is a straight up western yeah yeah uh which i would love to see fuck yeah right yeah (laughs) get the whole gang too denzel tom leo everybody um that'd be sick um i'm gonna take war of the worlds for the last one okay uh i know we talked about it during the tom cruise uh stuff that we did earlier this year and uh that movie is found a way to make aliens very scary to me because i never really found them freaky i was just like okay it seemed so out there that i was like it doesn't seem real let and... me just stop you now i think if the ending had stuck the landing better i think that people would think of this as one of his best films of all time i could see that yeah because uh, its ending is iconically dumb sure sorry yeah. is famously dumb <laughs> good catch um and i i think it also does a great job of making tom cruise not the star like in terms of like i'm gonna save the day he's a shitty fucking dad yeah and i think i I mentioned this like i actually just watched this this last weekend and i put out a tweet saying i love how it spends the first 10 minutes being like yeah this dude's fucking son hates him and his daughter's cute as shit guess what now it's time for aliens (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly And, and and his reaction to when the aliens are coming, he's like, oh, wow, look at this. This is so cool. And she's like, can we go inside? <laughs> um, and then there's that scene where, like, they, they get out of town and they find this, like, rich suburban neighborhood. And he, he goes inside to make her a sandwich and he puts peanut butter on it. She's like, I'm allergic to peanut butter. He's like, oh, okay, okay. He slams the peanut butter against the window. And she's like, fuck it. I don't know what I'm doing. Plus, an amazing <laughs> Tim Robbins scene-stealing cameo. Which one is that? Tim Robbins is the guy in the basement. Oh my god! I never put that together, dude. Shaw, yeah, Shawshank Redemption. That's Tim. Oh Robbins. my god, that's crazy. Dude, he's amazing. It's good. <laughs> like, yeah, here's Tim Robbins being a nut for ten minutes. And it's again a very dark moment in a movie that's otherwise not light, but it's like adventure. It's exciting and, and intense and suspenseful. And that's like, I'm gonna go close this door and I'm gonna. I, mean, I wouldn't fucking I mean, murder. It's like it's basically like a nine eleven allegory. It's a yes, dark movie. I, I wouldn't is. say it's a, an adventure film. I would say like it has moments of like, I don't know. No, no, you're right. You're right. I'm going to back down on that. You're completely right. It is it, looking through all the images in my head. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of rubble and ashes. And you fucking, yeah, dead he, people. Well, yeah. He comes home and he's staring at himself. He's like, Oh fuck. I've got human ash all over yeah. my face. So yeah, it's dark it's, movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. And I, I think it, it represents that kind of era very well in terms of just the fear that people had. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's very well done. And I, I think it's at, extremely underrated uh for his filmography so my number five if if i was gonna sell out further to an extreme i would go close encounters because that is again one of his sort of og original steven spielberg establishing films this is who i am this is what i mean this is what you can expect from me going forth for the next 40 years not gonna take that (laughs) <laughs> the next thing that I would possibly take, and it was in my tier one, is Minority Report, which again, I watched a lot of Spielberg films over the weekend. Rewatched this one. Amazing. Ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Confusing as shit. Super fucking, <laughs> super fucking confusing. 
And I feel like while film Twitter nerds love that movie and that would also be me selling out, I'm not going to take that one either. That leaves Indie 3. I've got an indie film, not taking that. You took War of the Worlds. You know, The Terminal, Tom Hanks, something I enjoy. I am going to take something that I just watched for the first time this weekend. It is one of the most confounding films in Steven Spielberg's 40, 50-year body of work. It is a movie that was not originally his and was being developed by someone else that we brought up on this show, Stanley Kubrick. This movie is AI, artificial Hmm. intelligence. It is a weird movie. It is so clearly an amalgamation of Kubrick's brutalist, futurist coldness and Steven Spielberg's nostalgia warmth Mm -hmm. and humanity. And the combination of those two is like a Blade Runner 2049-esque story of who am I and how do I belong in this world? Except instead of it being like a somewhat robotic, cold adult, the avatar in this film is an emotional young child. Mm -hmm. And it is not exciting, but I found it to be deeply moving. At the end, I cried. And the end involves him, spoiler alert for AI, which I've never seen it. Do you care or no? No, go ahead. Came out 22 years ago, I think. So it's like a Pinocchio story of a AI boy who was created to love sort of being cast out from his home and going on a odyssey to become a real boy. So his mom will love him and take him home. And he invents this whole fairy tale in his head and goes to Manhattan, which is underwater to see a fairy, blah, blah, blah. He gets stuck underwater and gets frozen under the ice. So uh, just by these couple sentences, you can tell how off the rails this film is. Yeah, this is crazy. 2,000 years pass and aliens (laughs) discover him. Nice. And and like wake him up out of the ice and sort of in a genie-esque sense grant his wish. And like his wish was to like to have a perfect day with his mom. And it's just deeply moving. That's beautiful. I think I, this is the one for me. I did four picks to win the draft. This is the one for me. And there are probably Steven Spielberg films I enjoy more, that I've watched more, and I may be a prisoner of the moment. But I do think that a film called AI coming out at the turn of the millennium, Mm -hmm. which was a project passed to him from Stanley Kubrick, I think that this is a film that's going to be reevaluated in coming years where... People are like, yeah, it's fucking weird, but it's also really fucking good. Jude Law plays a robotic prostitute who's doing like a Fred Astaire impersonation. And he also has a kind of uncanny valley uncomfortableness to him. It's a fucking weird movie. But when you're able to move me with something that weird, I'm there. So yeah, yeah, AI, check it out. And that's a spoiler in terms of like, how it ends but that's not like the big reveal sure you know yeah i want to watch that now that whole idea of a uh, boy which wanted to spend a part of day with his mom that's very moving and i think that speaks to spielberg as well he seems to have a lot of love for his parents oh, especially dude, watch his the doc then everything he makes is yeah. based on the fact that his parents split yeah and i know there's a, a pretty famous clip of uh an interviewer bringing up the parallels between his parents and close encounters uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but he's like, your dad was into computers and your mom was into music. And that's, some, I forget the exact right. verbiage, yeah. but like, he's like, that's how you solve aliens or whatever. And uh, Spielberg's like, I never put that together. And that, thank you for telling me that. 
and it's it's a very wonderful wow, moment. Wow, that's sick. Yeah. yeah. Wow, imagine telling Spielberg that. It's it's an awesome moment. I, I'll find it for you and I'll send it to you because it's it's pretty great. All right, so let's recap our picks. For my number one, I took Jurassic Park. My number two, I took Indiana Jones one. My number three, I took Jaws. My number four, I took West Side Story. And number five, I took AI. I had Saving Private Ryan at number one. Uh, Catch me at, Catch me if you can. Number two, uh, I think ET at three, mm-hmm. and then Indiana Jones two at four and war of the world at five all right i think i might finally have you beat <laughs> you might i i i, I think I i've think... won i think i i think you're up like either two to one or three to one okay i feel good about this though but uh i think i think i made a mistake by putting catch me if you can over one of the other like if i had put jaws or or something else in there it could probably be a steal but all right y'all thank you for tuning in this week make sure to leave us a review if you enjoyed the show follow Cade at Cade underscore under Fuck it. Follow B. I don't care if he's not here <laughs> at great underscore Caspi because he's my boy. Follow me at Eric Italiano. Kate, our blue checks are worthless now. Yeah, um, as of the time this goes out, probably be worthless. I was thinking that I was not going to pay for my own blue check, but I may create a, an account called Elon's Mom's Twat and <laughs> verify that. I just tweet sure. that. Sure, why see not? What happens. I just put parody in the fucking... His Actually, mom is just as weird I'm not as impersonating somebody, that's technically legal. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're impersonating her pussy, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just going to be like her saying, like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and just pin that, leave I'm so- it. <laughs> I'm sorry for all I've done. Um, all right, y'all. Tune back in next week. Kate, yeah. let's catch up on Andor. Okay. Are you seeing the Babelmans this weekend? Doesn't look like it's coming out here. It's having like a limited release and then a wider release closer to Thanksgiving. And I, I will see it as soon as it comes out. Oh, but okay. Okay. Black Panther is this week. Oh, we're talking that then. Yeah. Never mind. Thank you, Kate. All right. Yeah. Wakanda Forever <laughs> hits theaters. <laughs> Shit. Wakanda Forever <laughs> hits theaters on Thursday night and Friday. We'll be talking that first thing. Dope. All right, y'all. Peace. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. <laughs>